You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you. It's Christmas time, and uh, we are in a series. Uh, We're kind of headed towards Christmas, uh, but the series that we've been in has been called Family Matters. And next week, we'll wrap up the Family Matters series with our welcome home services that we've been talking about Friday night and then two on Sunday morning. And the encouragement in this series has been, no matter what your family looks like, we want your family to be strong. We want it to be uh, growing, uh, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're parenting or you're empty nester, or uh, we want you to, uh, to be uh, connecting with the Lord, keeping Christ at the center uh, in, in all of those things. I want to encourage you to go online as we've been talking about different topics. Uh, we've created a resource link in regards to family matters um, that I believe will be a very significant help, especially uh, in when you consider your situations and you can go and you say, well, I'm a single adult. Well, there's, there's information about that. Or I'm uh, parenting. Lord knows we need help. Or in my marriage, I could use some help uh, to come alongside. Um, all of those things want to encourage you to get online to do those things. So today, the intentions originally, when we laid out this service, uh, this series, was for today to be the service where we talk about extended family. Um, our aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and our in-laws, right? And uh, kind of relate that to Christmas. Um, but we've, I've decided to bump that to next week as an introduction into our welcome home. Um, it just kind of how things uh, kind of worked out. And the, the main reason, though, is because I've been praying all this whole series and asking the Lord for Holy Spirit direction. And the Holy Spirit kind of threw a curveball, so to speak, um, this week. And my mind uh, was really drawn to uh, an area that we would be missing if we didn't talk about it this morning. I was thinking about what about the families that have been broken, uh, that have experienced separation or divorce, or have been remarried, and then you add kids in the mix. And the reality, there's a big portion of our congregation that would be described, that when you describe their family, they would be considered a blended family. And we're going to talk about what that means here in a moment. But I I want to uh, know that when I started feeling this, I started talking about it with the staff and and, uh, with some volunteers and and just asking the Lord for direction. And I believe that today, as we talk about blended families, um, it's it's an important topic. But my prayer is that it will be really uh, significant for you. Now, I asked my wife uh, about this, or or I mentioned to her, in fact, I mentioned it to you in front of some people. Uh, where were we? Oh, we were in our small group. That's right, on Wednesday night. And, uh, and Jessica says out loud in front of other people, well, what in the world are you going to say about that? <laughs> she said, we don't come from a, a bland, blended family or we don't have a blended family. And she said, are you qualified to do that? And I'm like, well, no. <laughs> What's different than any other week, right? <laughs> but I did say, I think I've said, I said, I have seen a few episodes 
of the Brady Bunch, and so I'll be fine, right? <laughs> but seriously, when I started to dig into this topic, um, there is a sense that I am in over my head, and my prayer is, Lord, use me beyond my natural knowledge, and Holy Spirit, just move in this place uh, in a great way. Uh, in fact, this morning, instead of greeting you when you came in, I was in the back room praying, asking the Lord, God, give us insight, because uh, I know that this is such an important topic. Um, well, let's talk about it. Uh, how common do you think blended families are? Um, the statistics show, and this is a, a direct quote, uh, it says one out of every three Americans is either a step-parent, a step-child, or has some other form of a blended family in some way, which means in North America, there's almost 100 million people in a blended situation. That's a lot. And you might think, well, that's the world, or that's, you know, that's outside of the church. Well, I had Pastor Bobby do the best he could to get uh, over our regular attenders and just the people that we knew about in blended situations, and we are dead on with the statistics. One-third of our adults that attend on a regular basis, it was actually 32-point-something percent, are in a blended situation. I was surprised by that. And it's actually, we are actually higher than the average church. In uh, churches, it's usually, usually a little under that. But I was thinking, unless you are living under a rock, we all know someone who lives or lived in or came from a blended situation. Five out of seven of our staff came from a blended situation. Two out of five of our board members are currently living in a blended situation. And again, it's higher than other churches. And you say, well, why do you think there's so many? Well, here at the Gateway Church, and I would say I believe it's partly because the Gateway Church is a place for second chances. Amen? That God, He is a good God. He's a restorer. The other thing I think about our church, I don't believe for the, in most cases, that we are a judgmental church. We're not quick to pick up the rocks and start throwing because we look at our own lives, right? And we try to lead that from the top down. And, uh, and so I think that's part of it. And I believe that the Gateway Church is a place of love and of acceptance. And not that we don't deal with sin, but listen, uh, we are gracious to one another. And I pray, I pray that that is the case. Now, when it comes to blended situations, uh, there's a whole variety of different ideas from foster care and adoption to divorce and separation, even those that are cohabitating. And, uh, and I, I want to say this from the very beginning here, that we would never wish a blended situation on anyone. Uh, in fact, if someone's heading towards divorce or if you are divorced and considering remarriage, especially when kids are in the mix, our encouragement would be slow down. In fact, uh, think long and think hard about what you're about to do. And I say that uh, out of love. The other thing that I, uh, we would never want a blended situation, we, we do know that God's word uh, is very clear. It says that God hates divorce. But I do want to remind us that God may hate divorce, but he doesn't hate divorced people. And uh, he has a plan, and that's what we want to talk about 
today. See, at the Gateway Church, we want to preserve God's plan A. And when I say plan A today, what that means to me is it's the biological family, the traditional family, a nuclear family, so to speak. But today is not about plan A, where marriage happens and then kids are added to the mix. Today is about plan B. And what I want you to understand is plan B means a blended situation for today. And in many cases, the kids were already evident, and then there was a marriage or there was a connection. And we're not going to focus on uh, what got you into that situation today, what happened before the divorce or anything like that. Instead, we're going to focus on God's work in plan B. And I believe that it's going to make a difference. At the Gateway Church, we don't, when you walk in, we don't stamp you with a, a scarlet D on your forehead for divorce. Or we don't put a big B on your forehead saying, oh, they're from a blended situation. Absolutely not. We believe that God can restore. And we want you to know, if you're in a blended situation, that you have a home right here at the Gateway Church. And we want to love you. And we want, to, that we want you to know that you're a part of the family, period. And some of you uh, need, you need, to, you need to hear that today. Again, today is not about yesterday <laughs> or yesteryear. Today is about what God is saying to you in your situation today and for tomorrow. And again, plan A, the nuclear situation, this uh, traditional family where you're married, then have kids. Plan B is a blended situation where kids came first and then there was a blending. And uh, we want to focus on how does a blended family uh, uh, make it? How does a blended family see God in the mix about that? Um, so everyone clear about that? <laughs> All right, good. Um, how does a family, uh, blended family emerge? Uh, there's a mathematician that put it together, and there are 67 different combinations of blended families. And it'll blow your mind when you start to think about it. Let me give you a couple examples just to wrap your mind around it. Um, husbands uh, with kids married uh, a never married mom or new mom with no kids. That's one situation. I'm just going to give you a few. A wife with kids marries a no-kids husband. A divorced man or a divorced mom with kids marries a divorced dad with kids. A widow or a widower with kids remarries even in later, li in, later in life. Or how about this? A divorced with widowed parents uh, of adult children, then they get married and the story can go on and on and on. The statistics show that one-third of all weddings today that happen in North America uh, form a step family. One out of three. The U.S. Bureau of Census says up to 1,300 new step families are forming every day. And it's tough to understand that in my mind, uh, and uh, especially with the statistics that go hand in hand with that, that uh, it is still evident in North America that one out of two marriages will end in divorce. It's, it hovers right around that 50%. Uh, and, uh, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, that that is not the case in uh, families that are committed to the Lord and uh, are, have some good habits in their lives. Uh, that number is greatly decreased. But out of those 50% that divorce, 80% will remarry. And over 70% statistically will, in a second marriage or third marriage, will divorce again. 
And so again, uh, the stats around a blended family are not positive uh, in many ways. Step families or step parenting or step children. Uh, uh, there's a study uh, by Wallstein, a uh, 25-year study that followed 93 now adult children about 25 years on, on, on the effects of the, their parents and divorce and all of that and the statistics. Um, and just for time's sake, I'm realizing my introduction is longer than I realized, but uh, uh, there's just the statistics are, are staggering and uh, there's a lot of information there. Uh, I'm going to just skip along and you say, well, why is it so negative? Why is it kind of doom and gloom when you look at these statistics? And the reason is because blended families are very complex and it is complicated. Uh, there's a video that I ran across this week that uh, I asked Bonnie to pull, and I want us to see this. It's a pastor over in the Detroit area at Kensington Church that connects with Family Life Today, the Family Life Ministry. It's one of the resources that we've uh, posted online. And uh, he and this guy named Ron Deal, which is probably the foremost thinker and the expert in blended families that I could find. I've heard him on the radio many times, and there are, there's so much material available on blended families with Family Life Today and others, but Ron Deal is an expert in the area. Um, they put together some, some things, and uh, uh, this pastor, Pastor Wilson, he takes some time, and he kind of draws out the complexity to get our mind around it. And without further ado, let's go to this video, and then we'll be back in the message here momentarily. All right. You can see why I didn't want to do that myself. <laughs> but your mind starts to spin because of the complexity. It's complicated. The Huffington Post wrote about blended families, describing the uh, blended family, said this, born of grief, tinged with failure, blended families are messy, complicated, and exhausting. And if you're part of a blended family, you may feel that way. As I was digging in, my primary focus was to find a Christian perspective around this. Uh, we don't need to hear more of what the world has to say. We wanted a biblically focused uh, idea. But uh, some articles po popped up, and one in particular uh, took me by surprise. It was a Christian author, Christian website, talking about blended families. It was actually through the Family Life um, uh, website that we've made available online as a resource link from the Gateway Church to help blended families and families all together. But um, it, the article set was called, Your Blended Family is Going to Fail. I thought, well, I, I got to get my mind around that. So I started reading, and it's this lady, Candace Curry, uh, talking about her situation. And she says, look, my blended family, it, we're, not, um, we're not blended. Uh, we were chopped, minced, and then blended. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that that's might be good. I like that. But uh, she said it's a lot of tough work. And she kind of got to the point, that, I mean, it's quite about two or three pages in of all this negativity, um, one thing after the next. She comes, and this, this, her summary, uh, about two-thirds of the way through, is this. She says, the, brutal, the brutal reality, I'm sorry, of it all is that your blended family is going to fail, and over and over again, you'll fail at trying to make it work. I'm thinking, oh, that's kind of bleak. And she goes on. She says, you will fail at never having feelings of, resent of resentment. In other words, there's going to be feelings of resentment, probably. She says, you'll fail at swallowing your pride. In other words, pride is going to get in the way. 
She says you'll fail at relinquishing your, some control and allowing another person disciplining your own child. Ooh, that one's tough. You'll fail at showing compassion and grace. You'll fail at keeping jealousy under wraps. Your family will fail at not being territorial inside your own home. Your family will mail or will fail, mail, fail, will fail at making love completely equal between all of its members. Your family will fail at pretending that it's easy because it's not. Your family will fail at wanting to make it work. In other words, there may be some in the family that's blended that don't even want it to work. They, they're almost against it. I was thinking, wow. And then here comes a little hope of redemption. I'm thinking, we got to get there, right? And she says, but through all the rough spots, you'll find immense beauty. And she has a different perspective. She says, there will be moments where light shines in through the cracks. There will be moments when the broken pieces will come together to make a beautiful stained glass window where others will look through it and see nothing but beauty. They'll see all the different colors, the shapes, the sizes, and stare at all at how it all came together. There will be times when you watch your spouse love on and parent your child as their own, and it will bring up a love so deep that you can't even imagine how it contains itself inside your heart. One more. There will be times your, when your spouse's, your spouse's child kisses you and tells you, that they love you, and you'll wonder how you ever lived your life without them. And then she has another uh, paragraph or two, and then she wraps up. She says, yeah, your family, your blended family, is going to fail. They're going to fail over and over, but they're also going to prove that love and grace can outshine any darkness. And I love it. And I thought, okay, I've got to share that. Because what happens when plan A doesn't work out, when that's no longer reality, you move to plan B and there's a blended situation. Can God really work in plan B? And so I went digging, went looking for plan B stories in the Word of God. And I'm telling you, about half of the stories in the Word are blended or are, are plan B type stories. And the one that really stuck out to me was the story of Abraham. Now, at one point, he was called Abram, and just, just so you know that. And uh, he uh, grew up and became the patriarch of Israel uh, in, in, his, in his line, went all the way to Jesus. And all of us are connected to Abraham in some way, whether you knew that or not. And uh, we kind of idolize Abraham, uh, especially in children's ministry. I was a kid's pastor for a lo lot of years, and, and we would talk about Abraham and, and all the good things. But there were some things that tainted his family, and God used that despite uh, the, the problems. Let's look at it. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, at the beginning of Genesis 12, we see this incredible promise of blessing. Uh, God says to Abraham, or to Abram at that point, he says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And the people on earth will be blessed through you. The idea is that from, and that's really been fulfilled even through each of us, that we are connected. All of the people uh, that are ever living came through 
the bloodline of Abraham. And that was an incredible pr- uh, promise. But just right after that blessing or that, that promise of an incredible future, in the same chapter, uh, Abraham and Sarah, or Abram and Sarai, they are headed because of famine to Egypt. And they're walking into the, uh, the land of Egypt. And look at it, verse 11. As they were uh, about to enter Egypt, Abram said to his wife Sarai, I know that you're a beautiful woman. He says, I know what a beautiful woman you are. And you, you pause there and you say, that's what a man should do for his wife. Guys, we should tell our wives how incredibly beautiful they are. And uh, just take that, don't do it now, cause, but later today, just look into your wife's eyes and say, honey, and my wife was here first service, I did it, I said, honey, you're, you're so beautiful. And some of your wives may, like Jessica, say, oh, you stop that, right? But say it again because they need to hear it. But don't do what Abraham did after that, okay? He says, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, this is his wife. They will kill me, but let you live. So say to them that you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Now this, I just want to read between the lines. What this means is he's saying, look, let's pretend that we're not married. And when the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, oh, that girl is beautiful. We want her as our slave, our concubine, to marry ourselves or to take advantage of. (laughs) Can you even imagine? A a husband saying, yep, just go over there and let them do whatever they want with you. So so I'm okay. (laughs) It was bad. Bad, bad, bad. Messed up. Everyone say messed up. (laughs) Messed up. And uh, and so anyway, so that's kind of the first, uh, I mean, major mess up in Abram's life. You fast forward to Genesis chapter 15. Turn with me there. Genesis 15. He's still childless, Abram and Sarai, and uh, they're reminded of the covenant in chapter 15. And you move into chapter 16, and Sarai, this time, comes to Abram and says, well, let's just, let's just look at it. Uh, chapter 16, uh, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, was, had no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. He's saying, hey, <laughs> I was someone's slave, and it caused all kinds of trouble. Well, maybe, well, I've got this slave. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Trying to shortchange God's promise and kind of messed up. She says, sleep with my servant. And Abraham, the pig-headed guy he is, says, okay. And he does. And they look at it, verse 4. So he slept with Hagar and she conceived. But then this is where the tragedy comes. I mean, it's all tragic. When she saw, or when she knew that she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Hagar, who she really loved before that, obviously, now was despising her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abraham, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I have put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. And then Abram says, Your slave is in your hand, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you think is best. 
And what happened there? Look what it says. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar. And I would just say, welcome to a blended family, blended family 101. Messy. She sends her away. If you keep reading, it doesn't, God doesn't change his mind about the promise. And this is the important part. This is why I'm bringing this story up. Now we're in a blended situation and kind of a crazy situation. But God fulfilled his promise through Abraham. And in Genesis 21, Sarah and Abraham miraculously have, late in life, Isaac. And we're all connected to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God redeemed, used an incredibly uh, messed up story, and God did a wonderful, wonderful work. Now, there was lots of complexity in the story, and I think about that, and I think about that story and other stories in the Bible. And aren't you glad that the Word of God isn't just this uh, you know, picture-perfect situation? Uh, no one would make this up, right? It's real. It's honest. And we can go to God's Word, and we can get life from it, and we can say, okay, I relate to this in some way. Am I right? And we can say, all right, God, if you worked in this broken home, in this broken situation, you can work in my situation. And that is what we want to see this morning. So what does it take to make it in a blended family? When, how, do we, how can we make it, uh, plan B work? There's two things I want to uh, talk about for the next few moments, and then we're going to bring this to a close. No, uh, one practical thing and then one spiritual reality. And then we want to tackle the practical idea first. After about 30 to 40 articles, and that's maybe uh, a small exaggeration or a small, uh, smaller than what I actually studied. I didn't keep track. Um, I, I started to see a theme in all of the material that if you're in a bland, blended situation, it, the number one thing that it's going to take is patience. Be patient. Be patient. It takes time to blend. If you're cooking, it's not a microwave meal. Instead, it's a crockpot meal. And what is a crockpot? It's time on low heat. Get your mind around that. That makes a beautiful meal. The average time, it takes a blended family to really start clicking to really come together and love each other. This is the statistics. Saw this in many different places. Seven years, some longer, some shorter. And really the determining factor was the kids. Seven years for a family to blend and to really start clicking. The kids are almost always years behind the parents. So here's just a couple tips that I wanted to throw in. If you're uh, in a blended situation, go at the kid's pace. If you're dating and moving towards a blended situation, the encouragement, not from me, but from the experts, is to slow down. Don't rush it. And if you're dating, take the kids with you. You say, that doesn't sound like dating. Well, it can save you miles ahead 
and uh, save you a lot of grief if you get the kids on board. Now, when it comes to the Word of God, we know that patience is a, key, is a key to our Christian walk. It's mentioned a lot of times in the Bible, and we're going to look at a few of those instances right here in a moment, but it's always connected with trust and hope and faith and, and love and good character. And uh, with that, let's turn to the first place we want to kind of uh, get our mind around, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. This is what God's Word says uh, in regards to being patient. I love this. It says in verse 2, it says, be completely humble and gentle. Good luck with that, right? Especially in a blended situation. But then it says, be patient, bearing with one another in love. If you're going to make it, you have got to know how to be patient, to step back and give some breathing room at times. In Romans chapter 12, verse, verse 12, says something very similar. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Faith, uh, patient in affliction is the idea that there's going to be hardship. It's going to be messy, and you better learn to be patient. In Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3, verse 12, I love this. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. That's you if you're a Christ follower. If you are a Christ follower, essentially, it says, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It's part of our Christian walk. It's part of our character that we need. In James chapter 5, James chapter 5, verse 8, it says, you too, be patient and stand firm. And I believe that could be a word from the Lord for someone that's in a difficult situation. Be patient and stand firm. Don't rush it. Hold your ground. God is on the way. In Psalm chapter 40, verse 1, it speaks about the promise of waiting on God and not trying to take things into your own hands. Let's look at what it says. Psalm 1, I'm sorry, Psalm 40, verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And then he turned and he heard my cry. Let me just say, if you're in a blended situation, God knows exactly where you are and he loves you. It says, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. That's what God does. It's the promise. And there's one more verse I'd like to kind of turn to. 2 Peter chapter 1, and it's a great transition verse to the, to the spiritual aspect that we want to highlight of keeping God at the center. Let's look at what it says. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to your goodness knowledge, to your knowledge self-control, to your self-control perseverance or patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities, get this, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective. In other words, you will be effective. And it will keep you from being unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to be patient if it's going to work in your situation. And it, the idea in this verse, leading to the next idea, is that you must keep God 
at the center of it all. So practically, it's going to take patience in a blended situation. And many of you understand what I'm talking about. But spiritually, what does it take to make it uh, make plan B work? You must learn to trust and rely on God. You got to trust and rely on God. In Proverbs chapter 3, one of my favorite sections of scripture. In fact, I mentioned first service uh, when I was dating Jessica, she bought me a Bible. That's a great thing to buy someone you're dating, right? And uh, she wrote in the middle or in the uh, front of it, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And uh, it's always been one of my favorite. But I want to start in verse 1. It says, My son, do not forget my teachings, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. I love this. Number, uh, verse 3. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and with man. Put that in the blended situation. You'll win favor and a good name with not only in the sight of God, but maybe with your stepkids or in what, however the situation is, but with man, with those that are around you. And then here's the kicker. Trust in the Lord, you know it, with all your heart, right? Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit or acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. The key from a spiritual perspective to making any situation, but especially a difficult, complicated, blended situation work, is to keep God at the center and to trust him, rely on him in every circumstance. The point of the whole series or the, the, the key verse that we've been highlighting each week is Psalm 127, verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds a home, a family, unless the Lord builds a blended family, the laborers labor in vain. It'd all be worthless vanity, according to Scripture, if Christ is not at the center. And when Christ is at the center, good things happen. You say, well, that's too good to be true, or, or you don't know my circumstances, or is there really hope? And the statistics show that when, there's, when you keep God in the mix in a blended situation, and there's a lot of hard work, and you do the research to really grow and to understand and to understand your roles in a blended situation. And there's a whole message there or two. And I would encourage you, I, I, I wish I had time to, to look at a, more layers of this. Um, and I just want to say, if you're in a blended situation, dig in, uh, go to some of these resources. They will bless you. But the point is, is when you put the work in and you really are strategic, Blended families can be extremely successful. And now I'm reading a quote uh, from one of the articles. Uh, blended families can be extremely successful, listen, but they need tools to be able to succeed. Many people are stubborn and independent and believe that they already know the best way to walk the journey of a blended family. Unfortunately, this attitude means that most of those marriages are going to wind up breaking up over time. The need for having two parents in a home has been linked to a number of advantages for kids, so blended families can provide children with a good start. Two-parent households protect children from poverty, from, uh, provide more behavioral stability, and ultimately helps 
everyone save money. And I'm thinking, okay, that caught my attention. And it says family fragments will cost the U.S. economy an estimated $1 trillion over the next 10 years. And this is an article from 2015. But the point I want you to see is that plan B can work. Plan B can work. God can do miracles. And what it is, is he brings redemption and acceptance and grace into the situation, and God gets the glory. Now, I want to talk about one more plan B story that has an incredible ending. It's a story of Judy Lansted. You met Judy about six weeks ago when we started this series. Some of you were here. It's my mom, now Judy Vey. But Judy Lansted grew up in a situation where her mom and dad, my grandma and grandpa, divorced. And my mom was the oldest in the family, and she was about 12 or 13 years old when the, when the divorce happened. And all of her younger siblings um, and her were now in a broken divorce situation. My grandpa went on to get remarried uh, to my grandma Shirley, and is still married, but, but it left my grandma Lansted in a tough spot to the point that my grandma Lansted had to get two and three jobs. And uh, when, uh, when guys would come around and say, hey, would you like to date? And she would introduce to, to all the family. A lot of them would walk away. And then she had a little tune. She'd say, if you've got the money, honey, I've got the time. I guess it was an old song. Some of you guys might remember that. I, I don't, but I, that's what I was told. But anyway, but, but what I want you to see is that it was a difficult situation, and now there's a blended family in my mom's situation. Uh, you fast forward, um, God was uh, working on my mom's life, and she got married. It's one of the reasons she, if she was here today, she'd say, yeah, I wanted to get out of that family situation uh, as fast as I could. She got married when she was 18, and, uh, and then the rest is history. But what's great is that my dad and my mom, they decided right at the very beginning, in fact, I told you the story, my dad standing up at their wedding, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. I've shared that story before. But they decided that, hey, we are going to break this, this curse. And they, even back then, realized that many times families, when you ra are raised in a divorce situation, that the likelihood that the kids will be in a relationship that will be broken at some point, the statistics go through the roof. And it's, it's kind of scary. And, um, and my mom and dad said, no, this is not going to happen. Now you fast forward all these years. My parents are still together by God's grace. And what's neat is that my sister and my, and my two sisters and I, we are all been married over 20 years, all three of us. And by God's grace, again, we have all been able to avoid divorce. You say, well, why are you telling us this story? Well, I'm saying this because I know plan B can work. Now, in my mom's side of the family, my grandma, or my grandpa and my grandma Shirley, uh, now Lancet, of course, but uh, they have turned back to the Lord and are still together and both still living and uh, in their 80s, and, and God has done a miracle in that situation. On the other side, my, um, my grandma Lancet, uh, she ended up getting cancer and passing, but what I want you to see is that 
It does not have to be passed down. And you may be here in a blended situation. You're saying, man, are my kids ever going to make it? Or, or will they repeat the patterns that I repeated or that I, that I did? And I just wanted you to know from this, from, uh, that does not have to be the case. God is a God that works through plan B. Amen? It's a plan of redemption, acceptance, and grace. Jesus is relevant in broken situations. Look what God can do. I wish I had the time. I studied a whole bunch on John chapter 4, the woman at the, uh, at the well. And you think if you know anything about it, and I'll just briefly mention it here, 30 seconds. Uh, this woman is at the well, an outcast, five marriages, certainly a blended situation, and Jesus comes right in and ministers and a miracle happens. She receives Christ, of course, but not only for her, but her family and her community are blessed because of the work of God in her life. And the same thing can happen in your situation. As I was studying this, I, one of the articles I read, and I might have just passed by it, other than the fact that uh, in our small group, two of the ladies in our small group are into quilting. And, uh, and so it kind of caught my attention because what this, ar- what this article did is it took the idea of quilt making and related it to a broken family situation. It, it kind of identified the dream family, the perfect situation uh, that, that everybody would want. And the, but the reality is that there were family matters, family issues, family drama, brokenness. And what happens is it, it's ripped apart, uh, ripped pieces of fabric that uh, make up a blended family. And I guess the technical term is patchwork quilting, and, uh, or cr- some people call it crazy quilting, and it was popular in the Victorian, Victorian age. And what happens is you take odd pieces of used material, pieces of velvet and silk and corduroy and wools, and randomly stitch them together, kind of like that you know, stained glass idea that I mentioned earlier, all of these irregular pieces come together to make a blended quilt, a crazy quilt. And you, whatever your situation might be, it could even be adoption or foster care. It's uh, the idea that you've got a blended family, 67 different combinations. But what that does, it exposes the richness of their combinations. And you pull all these pieces together and you put it together in this beautiful quilt, and it becomes one of a kind. You're not going to make one that looks anything like it ever again. Patchwork families don't share genetic traits. There's lots and lots of diversity. There's different temperaments and personalities. The more intricate of, of a pattern, the more it says about the quilt maker, this article said. And who is the quilt maker in our lives? Think about it. It's our Lord. And God, he's in the patchwork family business. Because he meets you right where we are, where each of us are. God works wonders in plan B when we trust and rely on him. Pastor Bobby, I'm going to ask that you come at this point. After second or after first service, uh, a lot of buzz, a lot of people commenting on the message, the idea that we've got to keep Christ at the center. 
and, uh, and even acknowledging that at Christmas time, this is the time of year when blended is exposed again and where maybe you don't have to deal with it a whole lot at Christmas time. You have to when you get together and with family. Uh, it becomes maybe three times as hectic, and, uh, and I, I get that. But I believe that this Christmas, that God, he wants to work in and through your lives, especially if you're in a blended situation. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking, Lord, that over the next few moments that you would receive all the glory and honor here. Help us all to keep you focused. That's a focus. Lord, I pray that you'd soften hearts, open up hearts. God, do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, we just declare that you're welcome right here, right now. Invade our space. Invade our families, I pray. I pray it in Jesus' name. With your head bowed and eyes closed this morning, before we come to this idea of blended families, uh, I, I want to pray, and we're going to have some ministry time around this. But before we get there, I want to just kind of cast the net and say, is there anyone here that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior? If you're here today and you're, you're not sure if you were to die, if you would make it to heaven, we can offer you a free gift of salvation. The Bible says all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, but it's the gift of God that makes the difference. And we receive Jesus into our hearts. It's an act of faith. And if you're here today and you've never done that, or maybe you're away from God and you're ready to make that decision, we want to give you that opportunity. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here and you're ready to make that decision, I want you to lift your hand right where you are. First service, there was one that responded. I'm curious, is there anyone second service that's saying, man, I need to get my life right with God, or maybe I've never had a relationship with Jesus? Just slip up your hand. And I know, saints, you're praying. Anyone at all, just give you that opportunity. Just carry that out just one more second. Anyone else, just slip up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out you're away from the Lord. All right. And this is what I want you to do. Open up your eyes, and I want everybody to stand right where you are. I'd like to close with an opportunity to bless those that are here in a blended situation. The statistics show that even here at the Gateway Church, one out of three and it may be greater than that in this service, but I'm just going to ask, if you're in a blended situation, however you see that, the reality of that, I want you to raise your hand right where you are, okay? All right, yeah. Yep. All right, now I'm going to keep your hands up. And for those of us that are not in a blended situation, I'm going to ask that you move and just put your hand on somebody that's in a blended situation, okay? And uh, just keep your hands up, all right? We're going to come. We're going to kind of just surround you. And then for maybe some of those areas in the middle where there's a lot of blended, maybe just put your hands around each other. And what we're going to do, we're going to just minister to one another here just for a moment, pray a blessing, yep, 
into these families. And just right now, just right where you are, I'm just releasing you that the Holy Spirit's going to work, speak through you into these situations. Come on, do it right now. Thank you, Lord. God, that you're working. Come on, speak into our lives. Be bold. Let the Holy Spirit use you. Oh, God, we thank you, God, for what you're doing this morning, that you're helping, Lord. Lord, I pray for the families that have been, uh, that there's uh, opened up for adoption and foster care. Lord, I pray that you would bless those families. For the families where moms and dads that once were married with kids are now together. God, I pray in those blended situations. I pray for the blended family that even late in life, Lord, where you've opened up the door for remarriage and now you've got a blended situation. God, bless and move in those circumstances. God, I pray for a healing. Lord, I pray for patience. And God, I pray that you would be at the center. Hallelujah. If I could have your eyes on me just for one more second, and then we're going to wrap this up here in just a second. One of the verses I prayed, or I, uh, I mentioned earlier, was Psalm 40, verse 1. And verse 1, 2, 1 and 2, and 3, as I was reviewing my notes this morning, I wrote in the margin of my notes, this is a word from the Lord for somebody. And so I want to come back and, and just highlight it. Listen to what it says. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Someone here has been waiting in their circumstance. And I believe it's in regards to a blended situation. I really believe that. It says, the Lord turned to me. He heard my cry. Someone needs to hear that God knows exactly where you are. You are not all alone. Then listen, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on the rock. Amen. He gave me a firm place to stand. And then verse 3, I believe this is for someone here. He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. And then it says, many will see it and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. Your example as a blended family, as a blended situation, people are watching. And I'm telling you, your example, you've waited patiently. God has lifted you up. He's heard your cry. He's putting a new song in your mouth. Receive that. And what's the end result? The kingdom of God is going to advance because of your example. And with that, I want everybody here, front to back, sound guys, Pastor Bobby, if you can, I want you to repeat this after me. This, is, this final prayer is for every single one of us. Say this after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I, give I give you my life. Be the center. Be the center. Let, there be Let there be nothing in front of you. Keep my eyes fixed on you. And be glorified through my life. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at 
thegatewayGH.com.